This is Ashley Kelsch, and you're listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 73. Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Hey, renegades. I want to take a little departure from my usual weekly talk about dating and the power of pussy and coaching and tell you about a couple of incidences I was involved in and the impact it had on me. And I think it's worth sticking around and listening to because I know I'm not the only one who has had this happen to them. You know, we live in a world now where being wealthy is commonplace and being an influencer and famous and recognized even more commonplace. And I know our society places a high value on these things. To get yourself invited to those tables with those people is what we are aiming for sometimes in this lifetime. And look, I get it. There was a time where I was about this and after the stature while building Teddies for Betty's, making it known on a national level and growing our presence was a top priority. And I don't think it's good or bad if you want to make a shit ton of money and you want the world to know, but I do think this. I think you should consider that even if you're sitting at the head of the table, that it stands to argue you're still human, that you aren't actually better than anyone else. A few years ago, I came across this podcast, and after listening to them for some time, I felt like I'd found my guru. What this person teaches, concepts, interviews, how they work it into their lives and their world really resonated with me. Their programs, all of it, I've invested in despite having my own coaching certification and what I'm putting money into and similar work. For some reason, the way they say these things, it just lands. It's one of those experiences that when I hear them talk or teach the work and the tools, it just hits differently. And it's really changed my life. I always had this feeling that one day I might run into them or meet them. Again, we live in this world now where that would not be uncommon. But guess what? I did. I did. I saw them one day. Well, I'd seen them a few times, Renegades. I'm not going to lie. Every time I did, my body and my mind would like freak out a little bit. I was super excited just passing them. And then one day, Faithers and I were out and we're walking the Frenchies. And here they come our way. I wasn't going to say anything, but then I saw them glance at the babies and smile. And then they kind of looked at me, you know, just enough eye contact for me to think, oh my God, I could actually like say thank you for all the work you've done. And I did, but I kind of fanned out about it. It was a lot for me. I won't lie. I said, hi, you're blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah, that's me. And I said, man, I just want to thank you. Your work has been a life changer for me member of some of your things. And they said, that's so great. What's your name? And I told them, I said, it's so nice to meet you. And I finished off with saying, you're a fucking icon. (laughs) I was shaking. I looked at Faith and was like, oh my God, was I so over the top. I feel like a crazy person. And Faith assured me it wasn't over the top, but yeah, just you're a little excited, mom. I even got like, to that point, I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous because we have to loop back around the trail. And what if we see them again? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like avoid, not look, look, like so weird. I was having a freak moment. Anyway, I got home, almost talked about it on my stories. And then I thought, no, not going to do that. But I did call my bestie Laurel and share what a spaz I must have seemed like. Well, a couple of weeks later, 
I'm tuning into the podcast. And they're talking in an interview with somebody about the awkwardness of talking in front of people and getting nervous in group settings. And then the host of the podcast starts talking about an incident on the trail that had happened. And as soon as they started talking, I knew it was about me, without a doubt. And I felt so embarrassed, like everybody knew it was me. And honestly, I wasn't getting the vibe that they enjoyed that experience. And it was very awkward for them. And they said it's awkward for the other person too, but goes on to say something about how strangers stop them and thank them for changing their lives. And the host is like, what am I supposed to say? That's great. I'm so glad you've changed and you don't want to do this and you did that and you didn't do this anymore. And now you don't want to commit suicide. And there was some other stuff in there, but I just stood there in total disbelief. Like the coaching work I teach and the concepts are, you know, from this podcast as well, revolve around having the choice to think what we want to think. And so within that in mind, I tried really fucking hard to change what I was thinking and how I thought about what I was hearing. And that was not happening. I couldn't, it just did not sit well with me. I couldn't let go of this. Also that hearing the words committing suicide, like kitchen sinked in this other comment and the way that they said it and their tone about people thanking them and it being so awkward. Like, can it just be, oh, I'm so happy to hear that and thank you and then nothing. And then you just let that go. Clearly, I've held this person in a different regard and to think that they wouldn't respond publicly to the audience this way, but I, so many lessons here, everybody. Anyway, I was trying to convince myself that it's okay. Found myself thinking like, things like, I mean, I can't imagine Tony Robbins or Michelle Obama taking this approach, like, talking about it publicly after someone comes up and thanks them pretending to be interested and nice and then boom you find out like they don't really like it my brain just wouldn't let it up my higher self hopped in the back seat and my ego was like yeah and by the way do they even know who you are like people in austin know you i bet if you had pictures up of both of you people in austin would be like oh yeah look that's ashley who's that other person which is totally fucking ridiculous but i just you know i love to share my brain's bs with you no matter how absurd for the record that person would be way more recognized than me anyway i thought a lot about when i had teddies for betty's and more recently of being in public for example when i'm on the trail picking up trash on a saturday people will call out Hey, is that you, Teddy's for Buddies? Or, hey, Renegade, what's up? Strangers. And they come up and we talk. I've had people for years coming up to me and telling me how I've my store changed their life. And I'll admit, being an introvert, I get nervous. But more than anything, wow, thank you. So anyway, my brain is like trying to untangle this thing for a couple of weeks when the next two events occurred in this order. First... I recorded an episode where I was talking about someone's dating life and referring to others involved. And I made a comment about something that commonly happens when I was referring to this situation. I'm being vague for a reason, so just bear with me. But guess what? One of the people involved in this story that I was referring to knew it was about them and they felt humiliated and they were really upset. My knee jerk reaction was like, wait. The person in this conversation, this is their experience and true for them. And then I paused. I was like, observe your reaction, choose your response. I knew exactly how this other person felt regardless of the other person in their experience. 
I knew exactly what it was like to hear someone else share an experience about you at random and then hear it. I also knew what it was like to have a comment that though it wasn't specifically being referred to or directed at me, but was thrown into a story and being told or referenced and how she felt. I got this person's contact information and I called her. We had a long conversation where I apologized. I told her that it wasn't my intent and that this experience has given me pause on how to handle my work going forward to be more mindful that one's experience is theirs and it feels right and true while the others, the other person involved is experiencing it from their side, which feels equally right and true. After that happened, I questioned if I would have made that call had I not been on the receiving end. And I know that I would have. I've spent many years calling customers from Teddy's for Betty's who had a negative experience and apologizing. I will admit Having had this same experience of hearing someone tell their side of the story about me broadcasted informed me on the more emotional side of how she did feel violated. So another week goes by and I'm still processing. I see them on the trail again. Now I don't have any feelings. At this point, I'm not mad. I'm not hurt. I, don't, I just don't feel anything. I keep thinking though, I want to get to a place where I'm excited. I want to be excited to see them again. Like there goes my guru, holy mother of God. And then this is when the next event happened. One night, Faith and I decided to watch the Billie Eilish documentary. You know, it's shot using iPhones as well as I'm sure someone professionally, but you get a real home video feel. The time period they were filming was the same time that they were writing and recording songs for the When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go album, which was her second album. So she was already known, but this album, once it came out, like skyrocketed her to the moon. Anyway... Justin Bieber comes up during an interview and she talks about how when she was 13 or so that she was so in love with him and couldn't imagine having a boyfriend because she wouldn't be able to love him the same way she did Justin. You guys, there are these videos of her at 13, like talking into her iPhone and she's saying all of this. It's so fucking precious. And you get how enamored she was with him, maybe is. Later on in the documentary, they drop one of the songs that they had been recording as a single it blows up and Justin Bieber slides into her DMs and he says like, hey, I want to work with you. Let's record a song together. And she is dying. She responded to him and said, you could literally hop on the song and just say poop. <laughs> and I, I was like, totally get it. And I have no idea how much later, you know, how much time goes on, but she's at Coachella and she goes to listen to a band. And when she walks into the artist area, He's standing there. This is pre-pandemic. He's like wearing a mask though. And she recognizes him immediately. And y'all, she couldn't move. She just like stood there and then turned around and then back again. And there was like this weird tube thing. She kind of put her head into it. Like she did not know what to do with herself. And here's the thing. He didn't move. He just waited. And after a few minutes, she walks up to him and he puts his arms out. And she goes in for a hug and he holds her while she cries in his arms and he just holds her. The Biebs, this super fucking famous guy who's maybe a decade older than her, who has been where she is and understands. An incredibly successful person who hasn't lost sight of someone admiring him and fanning out beyond emotional control. He holds her for like 
five or six minutes and just like strokes her hair. It is so moving. Like if you don't cry watching this, you, there might be something wrong with you. <laughs> like it is so, I mean, obviously I'm kidding, but not really. Afterwards, she's in the car with her family talking about how she knows everything about him. She knows like when he was born, where he was born, what time, all this stuff. And then he messages her and he's praising her for all that she's doing and she can't believe it. And her brother is like, Billy, this is how you are with your fans too. This is what you do for all of them. And she does make, like you see this throughout the documentary and she makes it really clear that the fans are first. Without them, she wouldn't be where she is. She wouldn't be here, she says. And I may be exaggerating, but there is the death of ego happening between the artist and fan relationship here. I don't think I'm exaggerating. The power and influence they have with their fans is not lost on them. And yet they remain humble. And I found it timely. I thought we should all be like Billy and Biebs and remember what it's like to be human. That at the end of the day, we're all just people doing our thing and no one thing is better than the other. I also thought, I'm not going to try to convince myself to like what this person did and how they talked about the interaction. I just kind of don't like it. And I get to choose those thoughts. And that feels honest to who I am and how I want to be in this world. I want to be open and gracious and excited when someone stops me and says my messages have changed the way they think. I want to remain humble and human. Like Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. Once I relinquished control and trying to feel another way about it, the situation, I literally was able to let it go, which is how I'm able to even write about it. This would be my crux, actually, y'all. I'm not able to record and write some of these things until I've worked it all out. And I have. I don't begrudge them. And I continue to admire their work. I continue to tune in each week and learn. And I listen. The interaction for me shifted my perspective. And if anything, ultimately, it humanized them which is the point, right? That we are all human. And you know what else? I went back and I re-listened to the conversation. And I will admit, now that I'm not in it, I do hear it differently, which is incredibly fascinating to me and another gift and a lesson, how my perspective and experience from that lens of being embarrassed sent my brain into filtering the conversation and only picking up the fragments that shaped a defensive guarded interpretation of it. If only we could all go back and listen to some of our conversations that have shaped our beliefs and with other people and what happened and when. I mean, can you imagine? Regardless, it's been an exercise in thought work and a reminder to remain humble. All right, Renegades, until next week. Hey, Renegades, if you're finding the tools and concepts I'm sharing each week about your brain on dating, you won't want to miss out on working with me one-on-one. I've just launched my program, Wake Up Before Another Breakup, and in just eight weeks, you won't question if you can trust yourself to date or why you can't find the one. Head on over to modernrenegades.com forward slash programs to learn more about it and how you can work with me. Let's learn how to lose ourselves in the moment, not the man.